This is Sarah Cooper, author of 100 Tricks to Appear Smart in Meetings, How to Get By Without Even Trying, and you are listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast, which is named by LinkedIn as one of 10 podcasts that will make you a better marketer. My goal for this podcast is to help you discover new ideas about what's actually working in modern marketing and sales. Don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything discussed in this episode's show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. And if you're listening to the show right now and you're not driving or operating dangerous machinery, please hop on Twitter and tell us where in the world you're listening from. My Twitter handle is marketingbook. Today, we welcome Sarah Cooper to the Marketing Book Podcast to talk about her book, 100 Tricks to Appear Smart in Meetings, How to Get By Without Even Trying. Sarah Cooper has appeared smart in virtually every meeting she's ever attended, even the virtual ones. During her time at Yahoo and Google, Sarah began jotting down these tricks while pretending to pay attention. And soon after, she created the satirical blog, thecooperreview.com, read by hundreds of thousands around the world. Sarah lives in San Francisco with her husband, Jeff, and when not making fun of everything, she enjoys stand-up comedy, 90s rock, and both sunny and cloudy days equally. I don't know if she likes long walks on the beach, but I'll make sure to ask her. An interesting fact, she like your humble host, is the youngest of four children. Sarah, congratulations on 100 Tricks to Appear Smart in Meetings, and welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for that intro. That was great. So, Sarah, let me just ask you one question. It's going to come out of left field. What is your favorite day of the year? Well, it might sound kind of cheesy, but I really like the very first day of the year because there's just so much potential and there's so much hope and there's so much possibility for being productive. It's pretty much gone by March. So I kind of like the beginning of the year, the very first day of the year, because it, it makes me feel like I could actually get something done this year. So that was my first day. Yeah. Me too. But that feeling is usually gone by the evening of the first <laughs> of January. But you know, different days of the year have special meaning for everyone. Some people just love, you know, their birthday or Christmas Eve or New Year's Eve or New Year's Day like you or here in the US it could be Thanksgiving or maybe opening day of baseball season. Mhm. For me, it's April Fools' Day. And this interview will publish on April Fools' Eve. And I can think of no better author to have the privilege of interviewing at this special time of year. It's essentially my professional high holy day than, <laughs> than Sarah Cooper, author of 100 Tricks to Appear Smart in Meetings. Well, this will be in honor of all the people that took my book seriously. <laughs> okay. Well, this podcast has featured 115 marketing and sales books so far. And I have had the great honor of interviewing you know, PhDs, academicians like Philip Kotler, the father of modern marketing and author of 55 books, and Robert Cialdini, who wrote Influence, which is the number one best-selling business book in Amazon's history, and even Jonah Berger, the New York Times best-selling author. But I dare say that no book will have as much practical information 
to help the listener's career in such an immediate and impactful way as your book, 100 Tricks to Appear Smart in Meetings. When you host a podcast about books, people often ask me for book recommendations. And sometimes the question I'll get is like, Douglas, what's the just the one book I could read to really get started on this field? And I'll often recommend something like you know David Merriman Scott's best-selling book, The New Rules of Marketing and PR. But today that all changes. And that's why we have interrupted our regularly scheduled program of interviews with authors of best-selling marketing and sales books to provide the listener with some serious career building value. To the listener, we're talking about raises and promotions here, people. So, you know, everybody reads a book and they get a different take on it because everyone has a different life experience. And this book spoke to me on several levels, but let me just share two things about why it had such an impact. First, one of my all-time favorite movies is Office Space, which satirized, you know, the everyday <laughs> work life of a 90s software company. And the other big point is that at one point in my career, before starting my own company, I worked at what must have been a clone of Inatech, the the dreadful fictional company in the movie yes. Office Space. It was so bad there that I, I could not read the Dilbert comic because it hit just a little too close to home. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it was so bad that it made me just want to curl up in the fetal position. So, Sarah, I've poured my heart out and shared with the audience more about myself than I ever have before, and may not again. <laughs> I've done more talking than I've ever done on this podcast, and I'm going to stop now and ask you to tell us the story of how this book came to be. Sure. Well, I was in a lot of meetings and about nine years ago, I was sitting in a meeting and a product manager got up and he drew a Venn diagram that made no sense whatsoever. And I was a hundred percent sure that everyone was going to make fun of him and say that that's ridiculous. But and that's what happened, right? <laughs> no, no. Everybody started nodding and trying to help him draw this Venn diagram and, you know, telling him what the label should be and how big the circle should be. And he just handed the marker over to someone else, sat back down and went back to looking at, you know, whatever he was doing on his uh, laptop. So I immediately wrote down in my notebook, how to look smart in a meeting, draw a Venn diagram, because he appeared to have contributed something when he actually contributed nothing at all. And I just thought I was fascinated. I was just blown away by it. And I think shortly thereafter, I saw another product manager who, when someone was presenting some statistics, said 25% of people clicked on this button. And he immediately chimed in with, oh, about one in four people clicked on the button. And I was like, whoa, like that was really impressive. Some very quick math skills there. And so I wrote that down as well. I'm curious, was this when you were working at Yahoo or Google, perhaps? That's when I was working at Yahoo. Because I think both companies probably have some people that are very good at math. <laughs> yes, they really do. And, and people that like to show off how good they are at math as well. Oh, so I wrote these down in a notebook and I put it away. I didn't do anything with it until almost seven years later. And I came across it again. And at that point, I was working at Google and I had been in even more meetings than I ever had been before. And I decided to finish this list of, of tricks to appear smart. And I wrote, you know, the, the article 10 tricks to appear smart in meetings. And it just completely took off. It was totally unexpected. I didn't really expect it to take off as much as it did. It had a a few hundred thousand views within a week and a million views within a few weeks. I mean, it was just really crazy. Was this on Medium that you first published it? Yeah, so I published it on Medium.com. It was the only the second thing that I'd ever published on that website. And uh, it really took off. 
So that was kind of a sign. Yeah, it was a sign. I'd always loved comedy and performing and never kind of put the two things together of my life in the corporate world and how I could combine it with satire and my love of, of writing comedy. And then at some point, I guess that was a sign you and then you left Google at that point? Yeah, um, I started to write more and more about corporate life, wrote about how to appear smart to software engineers and how to appear smart in emails. And I was writing all kinds of things just about the, the corporate world. And my passion for writing kind of grew bigger than my passion for what I was doing at Google. And so I decided to leave and try to pursue this career in writing. And six months later, I was able to get a book deal for 100 Tricks to Appear Smart in Meetings. And that that kind of validated me leaving Google because that was kind of a big decision. That was people thought I was crazy for wanting to leave one of the best companies in the world to go do something as random as as write comedy. So that was tough. But then, you know, the book deal came through and that's kind of history. Wow. Of course, you realize how few people get to work at Google. And then it's probably even fewer people that get book deals. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm very lucky. <laughs> so I do hope you're buying lots of lottery tickets because clearly it's all coming together for you. Yeah. So, lottery tickets have not come through for me at oh, all. Okay. Not. Okay. All right. Well, then, yeah, stick with what clearly is working. <laughs> so maybe we could talk about some of the things that were just on that initial list because the listener still needs to get this book. And not only that, I think I'm on to what may be a scheme. I don't know if you thought of this, but it's like I'm going to buy two copies of this. And then I'm going to bring one to every meeting. And if somebody is just completely out of control, or if I feel like I'm taking crazy pills, I may have to just give it to a friend. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, a, it's all a book sales scheme. And I applaud you for that. Well done, yes. Sarah Cooper. Yes. <laughs> that was the point. <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, it's funny because we were talking here at the office about, God, wouldn't this be, could we, we'll start working with a company and we'll do a workshop to get everybody on board and understand. And, and we were thinking, God, wouldn't this be a funny thing to give every attendee <laughs> of the workshop? And I was thinking, well, maybe not. It's a new client. Maybe, maybe we should do <laughs> yeah. that. They might Test not the appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, we'll see because I have a feeling this is going to be around. And dang it, Sarah, I'm going to be buying a bunch of these. So I'm on uh, to you. That's awesome. Yeah, I've heard some people say that they have these games where they see how many of these they can do in a meeting and then they score points and then like whoever wins the most and gets a free lunch or something like that. So people have kind of created their own games around it. Well, I was thinking about that. You know how there's that BS bingo. This could be like mm -hmm. Sarah Cooper bingo. Exactly. <laughs> Or the 100 tricks bingo, and can then shout out something. So let's talk about some of the very first ones, because those first 10 were mm -hmm. tremendous. Now, you mentioned one, which was draw a Venn diagram. And, yeah. and I have to, this is an audio podcast only, but in that one particular trick, and you you did all the artwork in your book, I understand. Yes. There's mm -hmm. the Venn diagram, and one circle says what we don't know, and the other circle says, overlapping circle says what we know. And then they point to the interlocking part of the two circles with an arrow. It says, the sweet spot. Yes, I'm very proud of that. <laughs> oh, and so you talked about translating percentages into fractions. Yeah. And I've been to that meeting. I, you know, I, I never worked at Google or Yahoo, but I've heard that. What are some of the others? Let's talk about this idea of take a step back. Yeah, this one's a great one uh, when people are chiming in and throwing out ideas. And of course, you're not throwing out ideas because you haven't been paying attention. So let's be clear about that. Let's, let's be clear. The point of this book is that you are not paying attention in these meetings. <laughs> right. And so you can just stop everyone and be like, guys, 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 listen, let's just take a step back here. Okay. And then once you have everyone's attention, you can ask a vague question like, 
what problem are we really trying to solve? <laughs> and you're, you're going to blow people's minds. They're going to be like, you're right. We need to focus on the problem or whatever it is you just said. And you have just bought yourself uh, another hour of looking smart because everyone looks at you as the person who took control of the meeting. So uh-huh. it's, a, it's a great trick. Or, or they could say, uh, are we asking the right question? Exactly. Which is a great question to ask. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about the one where when someone else is giving a slide presentation and again, and I've actually seen this one in the military, usually the general would say what you're going to explain here. Yeah. So this one's great. It's basically just someone's giving a, a presentation, ask the presenter to go back a slide and it doesn't a- any matter. Slide? A- any slide except the first one, because if they're already on the first slide and you ask them to go back a slide, then everyone will know you haven't been paying attention. Uh, let me write that down. Okay. Yeah, okay. write that down and nod while you're writing it down. You'll look really smart. But basically, this just makes your coworkers think that there's something on that slide that's really important that they missed and that you're going to brilliantly point out. So you can do this and then just kind of stare at the slide for a little bit, maybe ask what do these numbers mean, or, or maybe just nod and look at it really closely and then just say, okay, we can move on. And you um, immediately appear like you're really paying close attention to this presentation, which you probably aren't. What about using telephones? There's one about if you get a call, what, yeah. what should you do? I, you know, stepping out for an important phone call, you know, if you get a phone call or if you even just pretend to get a phone call and you say, you know, I'm so sorry, I have to take this. And step out, you know, people, I got a lot of flack for this one because people are like, I could never do that. You know, no one would ever take me seriously if I did this. But the point of it is, if you get a phone call that's more important than the very important meeting that you're currently in, you look really, really important. So take the call and just say you got to take it and it'll immediately make you look pretty smart. And pretty important. What are some of the other ways that we can sort of try to own the meeting and, and look like we're actually more important than we really are? Well, one of my favorite ones is pacing around the room because it's something that makes you look mysterious. No, people are going to kind of wonder, what are you thinking? Walking back and forth, you know, staring out the window, sighing, you know. Almost like they don't realize they're pacing. Right. It just makes you look very contemplative. And it's great because you don't have to say a word. Just your, just your presence of walking back and forth makes you look incredibly smart. You have a section in the book about just the, the room itself, the conference room. Can you talk about how to own the room and, and even like leaving the room? Well, leaving the room is something that you can do. Well, like I said, like if you get a phone call, you can pretend to take it and, and make, make it look like you have something really important going on. Another one is basically just to, I have a whole chapter about what you can draw on the whiteboard. Oh, yes, um, yes. A lot of people are scared to get up to the whiteboard, but... Just getting up to the whiteboard makes you look like you're sort of taking control. And um, I have a bunch of different diagrams you can draw. You can draw a funnel. You can draw a box with an arrow pointing out of it. You can draw, you know, a pie chart. You can just do whatever you want to do and and just ask a vague question about it. And it'll just make you look like a leader, which is the point of all meetings is to kind of impress your coworkers into thinking that you're very much in charge. Mm -hmm, The alpha person. Yeah. When you draw a box on the whiteboard and you draw an arrow coming from it, what is it that you should try and say? Say something about thinking outside the box. You know, a box with an arrow drawing out of it is is just letting people know that you don't want to be inside the box. It's very clear. You can draw just the word vision with a circle around it. Or strategy. Or strategy with two underlines. Two underlines. Two make underlines. sure the listener catches that. Yeah. And you can draw the word uh, ideas with a squiggly line around it. It just makes people know how organic your 
ideas are. So that's always a good one too. I always like the A to B. So you can just do A, B, and then draw an arrow between the two and ask what's going to get us from point A to point B. And, you know, people will really appreciate how you've completely simplified the solution. Yeah, you know, they say, uh, I'm sure this is sometimes attributed to Steve Jobs, but it's simple to make things hard, but it's hard to make things simple. And when you do the A to B, not that I've done this myself, but when you do the A to B, people think, wow, such clarity. Yes, such clarity, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Now, 40% of the Marketing Book Podcast, by last count, is outside the United States. So what is your guidance on appearing smart in meetings around the world. This was a fun one to research. There's a global map, just talks about going global, where you can uh, get some tricks on how to appear smart in meetings around the world. And a few of those are, in Canada, obviously, you want to apologize after everything you say. They're very big on saying that they're sorry about everything. So that's good. In uh, Brazil, you want to shake hands and hold on for as long as possible. Ah, Um, You never want to be the first person to let go in Brazil. Another great one is Australia. At the beginning of the meeting, remind everyone to stay on track. Staying on track is very important in Australia. And then at the end of the meeting, you can thank everyone for staying on track. And so that's a good one. (laughs) I would have never known. Yeah. Another uh, great one is in the UK, transparency is very important. So just complain about the lack of transparency, and you will immediately look smart in the UK. You don't even have to be specific about what aspect what of transparency. Yeah. Just talk about, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> this is, oh man, this is great. You know, companies will pay a fortune to get their executives trained on, you know, different cultures and customs before they go do business abroad. Mm-hmm. They could just get this book, I think. Yeah. So sometimes you have a meeting and it's really only one other person like one-on-one meetings. So can you talk a bit about how to convince your coworker that you care? Yeah, I mean, this was a big thing at Google and a lot of different companies is you have one-on-one meetings. And if you're the only other person in the room, you know, all eyes are on you. So you have to look like you're paying attention and that you actually care about what the person is saying, which can be hard. Can, it can be really hard. It's more work, I've found. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's intense. It's an intense performance. And so a few things you can do is, I love uh, this one, say you don't have an agenda. And this one is great because it makes the other person feel like you are completely open to discussing anything, but then you can switch it up on them. And when they have nothing to say, you can sort of say, well, you know, I'm not sure we should be having this meeting anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Because you can just put the pressure on them to come up with a topic. And so that's that's a good one. Genius. And then another one that people did constantly, and this is something I actually really hate, but it's something that everyone did, is, is basically react to everything that your coworker says as if you already knew that. So just cut them off with, oh, right. Yeah, sure. Oh, of course. Well, yeah, everyone knows that. Or yeah, you know, duh. You know, just keep saying things like that. And it'll just make your coworker feel like you already know everything that they're talking about, which makes you look really smart. Yeah, you know, it brings to mind that Kristen Wiig skit she used to do on Saturday Night Live where she would always one-up the other person. Yeah. (laughs) A little bit of that. Okay, so that's with one person, but do you have any advice for listeners who attend team meetings? Yes, these team meetings are always the bane of every company because they happen, you know, every week or you might even have an every other day meeting where you have to give status updates. 
these meetings can get very, very boring. And so you're probably almost falling asleep. So it's important to look smart because these are your your teammates. And so they're the ones who are going to be in control of your promotion. So one thing you can do is sit next to the person who's leading the meeting. This makes you look like you're sort of co-leading the meeting. And when people are presenting their updates, it kind of feels like they're presenting them to you as well. And so it kind of puts you in a position of, of power and you don't actually have to say very much. Just being in that seat next to the person leading the meeting, it makes you look more like a leader. So that's a good one. Another one of my favorite ones is when someone gives an update, interrupt them and then let them finish. This is also called the Kanye. So basically, if someone's saying, well, you know, this is the latest thing, you can say, uh, you know what, I'm just going to stop you right there for a second. <laughs> Everyone, this update is really important. So if everyone could just pay attention, uh, that would be great. Uh, okay, you can continue. And this this just is a total power move. And it also gets you out of having to pay attention yourself because you just told everyone else that they're the ones who have to pay attention. Yes. And I've seen this on a video that you've produced that we'll make sure to include. We'll embed these in your show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. It, you know, it's just, I think I've seen all these things in, in meetings at one t- time or another in my career. And I just didn't have the smartness to, to capture them. <laughs> but seriously, as you know, you look at all these and I think, boy, I really have seen that. I've, I've seen people do that. But you know, like you talk about going to the whiteboard with a marker, it's mm-hmm. almost a friend told me this works. It's not like I tried it, Sarah. But if you pick up the marker and you start writing on the, on the whiteboard, it's almost like you've taken the microphone. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> for the whole room. And yeah. body language changed like as if they're getting ready to be told a story. Yeah, exactly. And and everybody feels like sort of off the hook because now you're they don't have to, to say anything. They're just watching what you're going to do next. It is so incredible how much you can get out of just doing something so simple as just getting up and drawing an arrow on the, on the whiteboard. So I definitely recommend that. You know, in a lot of these workspaces where there's maybe an open office, a lot of the firms are trying to set up areas where people can have sort of they can run into each other or you can have more impromptu meetings, which seemingly would create better cooperation and collaboration. But what do you do in an impromptu meeting where the listener hasn't had the opportunity to carefully plan their meeting tactics as outlined in your book? Well, the first thing you want to do is definitely just openly welcome the meeting. Just say, oh, you always have time for whoever it is that's kind of interrupting you, um, which just makes you seem really, really friendly. But then you can follow it up really quickly with that you've got a hard stop. At, oh, yes. you know, In like five minutes from now, you have a hard stop. And so it really kind of puts a time box around how much this person is, is going to be able to uh kind of distract you from what you were doing before, which is probably just looking at YouTube, but that's beside the point. Another great one is just to um, pull someone else into the conversation. Say, you know what? I think we should bring Susan into this actually. So let's go grab her. And then once Susan comes into the impromptu conversation, say you got to go and then you can just leave Susan and your coworker talking and, and then you get out of it. So that's a good one as well. Now, Do we have to be able to see Susan or like maybe know that she's nearby? Uh, yeah, maybe she's just uh, walking by and be like, you know what, let's let's pull her into this. Um, it's a great way to just kind of be able to walk away. <laughs> right. Well, now you talk about when someone else is making a presentation, which I, you know, probably one of the the best advice is, you know, can you go back a slide? Can you go back yeah. a slide? It's it's great. Going forward, I'm, I am going to have trouble keeping a straight face and probably the rest of the meetings I attend for the remainder of my working life. But can you offer any advice for people who are making the presentation? Yes. One of the ones that I saw a lot was kind of comparing what you're doing to other really much more successful things. So a lot of times people would be like, 
we all know about the wheel. The wheel was a great invention. And then we had the smartphone, which was also amazing. And now we have this latest thing, which I'm about to present. And of course, what you're presenting is probably not even on the scale of those things, but it kind of makes it feel like it's just as important as something like the wheel or the smartphone. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Um, and another great one is... It's a game to, changer. Is that what you're saying, Sarah? It's definitely a game changer. And you want to be changing the game mm-hmm. uh, as much as you possibly can. Or a paradigm um, shift. <laughs> yes. And another great one is before moving on, ask if it's okay to move on. This is really condescending. Um, and just, just make it seem like you feel like you're going too fast and you want to make sure that everyone can keep up with you. And this will just make it seem like what you're talking about is super complicated, even if it's not. Now, at least in the agency world where I am, you know, brainstorming is a big deal. Yes. And mm-hmm. can you talk about and I hope my employees don't hear this, but can you talk about how to appear to be the creative force on your yes. on whatever brainstorming team you're on? Yeah, this is this is a good one because everyone feels like you know to be look to look smart in a brainstorming meeting, you have to come up with some incredibly game changing ideas. But most corporations don't want new ideas; they actually just want to keep doing what they're already doing. So what you need to do is kind of just look like you're coming up with ideas. So First off the bat, just get up and ask if anybody needs some water or some snacks or anything and offer to go get it for everybody. This just makes you look really um, concerned that everyone's going to be comfortable for this long three-hour or four-hour brainstorming meeting that you're about to have. And then even if everyone says, yeah, they say no, just come back with a bunch of stuff anyway, and everyone will just start snacking on whatever you brought or start drinking the water. And that will make you look like you really can predict the future because you were able to predict that everyone was going to want some snacks and some drinks. So that's a good one. I like making an analogy that's so simple that it sounds deep. I had a VP who would always compare everything that we did to baking a cake. So he would say something like, we have the cake, but the cake needs sprinkles. What are the sprinkles? And uh, which is just ridiculous, right? And uh, but everyone's going to be like, oh yeah, you know, we don't have any sprinkles on this on this cake. So that's a, that's another good one. That's the kind of the the thing that I learned from all of these is that everyone is so polite in meetings that even if you say something ridiculous and you think people are going to call you out on it, they're not. They're just going to kind of go along with whatever ridiculous thing you just said. So. Sometimes even the more ridiculous thing you say, the smarter you look. That's worked for me very well. <laughs> okay, a lot of salespeople listening to this podcast, business people, let's, let's talk about networking events. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for the listener to build relationships with people they'll never see again? Yeah, this is also very tough because networking events are so painful. So there's some key words that you want to use, you know, um, when someone asks you about what you're doing, say it's pretty confidential. And they'd have to sign an NDA before you could kind of tell them about it. This gets you out of saying anything about what you're doing. And it also makes it seem like what you're doing is, is pretty, you know, highly, uh, you know, being covered up. Don't wear a name tag. I mean, a lot of people just slap that name tag on there. But if you don't wear a name tag, it's kind of a good conversation starter. People are gonna be like, why aren't you wearing a name tag? And then you can just say you don't believe in name tags. And you feel like people should just talk to each other. And that will make you look pretty, pretty introspective. And uh, another good one, which is very important, someone's going to mention something you've never heard of. They're going to mention a person you've never heard of, a book you haven't read, a place you haven't been, some 
app you haven't used, but just pretend that you know exactly what they're talking about and pretend that you love it or you hate it, depending on what they're saying about it. Um, so that's, that's another really important one. What should you do with your hands when you're networking? I put a whole chapter in here about what to do with your hands when uh, you're at a networking event, just because this is something that it seems like no one really knows what to do with their hands when they feel exposed. So uh, there's a few things that you, you know, can like do. Like if you're not holding a drink? Yeah, you can, you can hold a drink, but if you're not holding a drink, you can kind of you know cross your arms. That makes people know that you're not easily impressed with anything that they're saying. You can hold up your credit card to let everyone know that you're getting some extra points for these drinks. You also can like put your palms together in front of your face, kind of the Steve Jobs pose. Makes you look really, really introspective, like you're deeply considering everything. You can also do the whole... Uh, you know, scratching your head so no one thinks it's weird that you're a VP and everyone here is a VP as well. <laughs> and you can also just do like some air drumming. Air drumming just makes you look fun, like you uh, are musical and talented. So that's another thing you can do. You know, one of the things that I least liked about corporate world was like team building events. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but they the fact that they had to have them told me that maybe there was something... <laughs> missing in everyday life. Any ideas for team building events or, or maybe I don't know how to get out of them? <laughs> well, you can't you can't get out of them because if you don't show up to a team building event, it's you're it's just player. Yeah, you're not a team player. It's just not going to look good. So you definitely have to go. A few things you can do. One is show up in your workout clothes, like your yoga outfit or your running clothes, even though you don't work out at all. It'll just make you look like you're pretty athletic. And also you can, you know, just take a nap in them later. They're very comfortable workout clothes. Another great one, which I love is make a statement about how the activity that you're doing relates to what you're facing on your team. So, um, you know, if you're doing like some kind of race or something, you can say, this reminds me of our mad rush to get things done at the end of the quarter. And so it makes you look like you're really taking in each activity and applying it to uh, what you guys actually do in the corporate world, even though it's really, a lot of times it's just completely unrelated. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yep, yeah, that's definitely good ones. Now, before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you, because the, for the listeners who've made it this far, what are some of the advanced, not all of them, because... You know, yeah. there's a lot in the book, but what are some of the advanced meeting power moves? And I almost got the impression that, you know, you almost need to, to read the book before you try these or, or get some sort of professional training. Yeah, you need to be certified with several thousand hours of meetings before you can try these. If you try them before your time, you probably will get fired. So that's why we recommend you don't do it before you're pretty secure in your uh, position. So one of them is you can take a conference call while skydiving. This is a super, super power move. It shows that you are rich, shows that you are athletic and you like these kind of crazy sports, which is something that a lot of CEOs connect on. They all have, they skydive, they do kiteboarding, you know, so that's really important. So like while you're free falling or just as part of the, like getting ready to take off or... Um, it can be anytime super bonus points if actually while you're free falling, you're um, taking the call and you can just say something like, sorry, guys, I'm going to lose you below 10,000 feet. <laughs> I'll let people know that you're actually up in the air right now. Another one, which is something that I heard is actually done is, is kind of invite people to your home for a lunch meeting, but make sure that you're the only person being served by your personal chef and have everyone present things to you while you're eating and they're, they're starving. I'll be, uh, honest, so be honest, Sarah, has that actually happened to you? You know, that one hasn't happened to me, but, but you know of people that have, but I, I know of a person that told me that this actually happens at a company somewhere. Oh, gosh. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it's painful, right? Yeah. So I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Was there maybe one more advanced meeting power move? Yeah. Bring along your masseuse to the meeting. So uh, show up with your masseuse, have them set up their table, lay down, you know, get a full rub down while you're uh, taking in everything that everyone's saying. This is a superpower move as well. Oh boy, I can imagine. So Sarah, there was one video, you make these hilarious videos and I want to include a couple of them on the show notes and, the, and then direct people to your YouTube page and your website. But there's one that I, I just found particularly funny and it was about how to appear like a thought leader. Mm-hmm. And this isn't necessarily in your book, but you know, there's a lot of really great, as I mentioned earlier, there's just some fantastic guests I've had and I've been honored to interview them. And I, I think there's a lot of thought leaders or uh, people who aspire to be thought leaders or influencers or whatever they're being called now. Could you just share some of the things that can help people appear to be thought leaders? Yeah, sure. One of the ones that I see a lot is share your morning routine which you know all the most important people will share you know how they spend their mornings what they do when they wake up what time they wake up what they do you know the their meditation the run that they go on you know writing you know 20 pages of their memoir so w- whatever you're doing in the morning share it like this is some incredibly good advice that everyone's going to want to take because they're going to want to follow your morning routine of success just this week i saw an article that was like five things super achievers do before 7 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> every week yeah. I see that. Yeah, every, what else? Every single day, another one is gets published. Another good one is to talk about your failures, but only in terms of how successful you are now. So you can say something like, you know, I didn't always own a multi-million dollar home. In Palo Alto. In Palo Alto. I didn't always get invited to the Oscars. I didn't always drive a Tesla and have two other Teslas at home. I didn't all, you know, say, say that, you know, you didn't always have as much success as you have right now. (laughs) And so it kind of makes you seem a little bit more relatable because you used to be exactly where the person who's listening to you was. Oh, it's been a struggle. Yeah, it's been a struggle, but, you know, and so you know the struggle. Another great one is just to kind of predict the future, but predict the future by saying what's already happening. So you can say something like, you know, the future is mobile phones. And you can ask everyone, you know, is anybody who here has a mobile phone? And everyone's going to raise their hand and and you can say, see, that's the future. (laughs) Which is exactly what a lot of these thought leaders do is they just kind of point out what what's already happening and say that they've predicted the future. And there's one about two words of advice. Yeah. So this is something that every thought leader has some little catchphrase and it's usually a two word way to, to be. And so or, or even say, one like hustle. Yeah. Hustle, grind, you know, just do it. Things like that. We'll just do it as, as three words, but it basically completely simplifies everything. And so it makes people think, oh, I can just, just follow that two word advice and then everything will be fine. Like quit now. Or, yeah. <laughs> or yeah. just do. Yeah. Or or go for. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's great. So, Sarah, if readers took only one thing away from the book, what would you hope it would be? I think it would be meetings are ridiculous. So take them a little less seriously. Try to be a little less robotic and just kind of be be more present and have more fun in them because they're just they're all ridiculous. Yes, and I think that I know this sounds perverse, but I almost want to go to more meetings now. Oh, that, well, that's like the biggest compliment I've ever gotten. <laughs> well, it's going to be so much more fun now. <laughs> so, but I always have trouble holding back laughter. So, uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be a problem. Sarah, what books have inspired your work and career? 
I am a big fan of Stephen Colbert and all of the, you know, how, you know, how to America and things like that. Uh, um, yes. Or I am America and you can I am too. America. You can too. Yes. Become the America that we never weren't. Uh, you know, these books, these, these titles alone make me laugh, but anything from Colbert or the onion of just really, um, hitting satire and just being able to bring out a truth, even though you're sort of making fun of something at the same time. So that's something that I always aspire to. Um, and you'll see it a lot of my work is basically I'm, I'm telling you what to do by telling you the things that people are already doing that you probably shouldn't be doing. So wait, wait, I kind now of, I'm confused, Sarah. <laughs> I know it's, it's very confusing, but I think the whole LinkedIn, you know, like business world, like it, it needs humor. It needs people to really say, wow, this is ridiculous that we're talking like this. We're using these weird words, you know? So I, uh, I that uh, has been a big influence on me. Well, and that's, I think some of the hardest work to produce is the, this comedy and the satire. And I'm I remember years ago, I got Christmas. I got a book on, I think it was on I Am America and You Can Too. And I was laughing yeah. so hard that I started crying. <laughs> that means it's working. So anyway. Yes. Well, are there any recent or upcoming books that you recommend or are looking forward to reading? So a recent book that came out last year is uh, called Disrupted by Dan Lyons, who is also a writer on Silicon Valley. And he basically tells his tale of working at a startup and what it was like. And it's it's all based on his experience. And it's just so hysterical because he's sort of this outside perspective looking in on this world of, you know, how, how much fun can we have at work? And, you know, there's, there's gumball machines and there's like, you know, playing in, you know, all of these giant adult toys and stuff like that. And so, um, he's kind of like looking in on that world, which it just makes you realize how ridiculous a lot of it is. Yes. I read it and absolutely loved it. It was so funny. Yeah. You know how some books you'll read and they're so gripping, you can't stop, you stay up half the night reading just because you want to find out what happens. His was like that, but it was because it was, he's just so well written. He's such a gifted yeah. writer and he really does lampoon a lot of the things that dovetail nicely with your book. In fact, I think if I had to guess, you go to Amazon, you're going to see the book Disrupted and then down at the bottom it's going to say, readers who bought Disrupted also bought 100 yes. <laughs> Yes. Uh, that was the same way for me. I couldn't put it down. I think I read it in three days. Yeah. So how best can listeners learn more about you and your book? So you can go to my website and uh, check out my blog. It's at thecooperreview.com. And uh, my I book should is- add, let me, and I, I'm sorry, I'm going to let you finish. Okay. But when you good, go, good job. Uh, this is for the listener. When you go to thecooperreview.com, it tells you it is the most important business website in the world. Yes. Okay. I had been looking for it. Now I've found it. Yes. And I have some I have some praise there, which I had some friends write. Um, the Cooper Review is the first business website you can view on your personal computer or wireless telephone. Right. So. There's also one for the book, 100tricks.com. Yes. So you can go to 100tricks.com and you can get some um, preview material there and watch a video. The book is actually under $10 on Amazon right now. So it makes a great gift. So act now. Yes. The name of the book is 100 Tricks to Appear Smart in Meetings, How to Get By Without Even Trying. The author is Sarah Cooper. Sarah, thank you very much for being on the Marketing Book Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope you enjoyed that special April Fool's edition as that closes the book on episode 116 of the Marketing Book Podcast. 
Links to everything linkable in the interview you just listened to are at marketingbookpodcast.com. And that's also where you can sign up for the Marketing Book Podcast newsletter so you never miss an episode. And if your next event needs some inspiration and entertainment, I'd be happy to present to your group key insights from over 100 marketing and sales books that have been featured on the Marketing Book Podcast. To contact me, just go to marketingbookpodcast.com and leave a message or connect with me on LinkedIn. My name again is Douglas Burdett. Or send me a tweet at my Twitter handle, Marketing Book. I look forward to hearing from you. And please join us next time as we welcome David Munn to the show to talk about the new book he has co-authored with Bev Burgess, A Practitioner's Guide to Account-Based Marketing, Accelerating Growth in Strategic Accounts. Thanks again for listening to the Marketing Book Podcast.